Welcome to D3 Nation, now don't you change the station, oh lord knows it has just begun. We're talking all the motivation from years of dedication, discovering who's number one. The fight is never done, you gotta dig down inside for who you're destined to be. The war is never won, so talk it out with your host, Gennaro and Welcome back, Division Three Wrestling fans. I'm joined by co-host Gennaro, and we are excited to bring you this episode. We're going to talk about some headlines that are coming out from the aftermath of the NCAA championships. And uh, if you missed them, the last two episodes, episode 16 and episode 61, we highlighted some of the some big highlight, uh, headlines from the NCAA championships, with that being the uh, very, very close team race. Uh, with Warburg um, eking out the uh, their 15th national championship. They win by one point over Wabash, and we touch base with uh, Coach Keller and Coach Anderson in episode 60. And then uh, an even more exciting headline with uh, programs and universities bringing home their first ever NCAA champions. So uh, that was pretty fun to do. We interviewed all the head coaches for that in uh, Stevens Institute Technology, North Central, Mount St. Joe's University, and um, and then Milliken, of course, Milliken as well. North Central, obviously, they had two national champs in that same night. Milliken and uh, Braden Burt bringing home a bunch of awards there. So pretty awesome headlines. And um, you know, as we kind of wind down here and uh, wrap up this uh, this amazing season, the first full season since the 2019-2020 season, um, just want to talk about highlight some individuals, indivi- uh, highlight some programs just on a job well done this year. So some end of the year awards, but before we get into that, let's talk about some other headlines that um, recently we, we just came the light article was just elite. And uh, if you were there out in Iowa, the one fifty seven championship final ended, unfortunately in, uh, in some controversy. And if fans can think back this same weight class back in 2019, also uh, ended in a little bit controversy, something a little different. Uh, in 2019, uh, Mount Union wrestler Anton Pugh was winning the match, and he gets stalled out of the match. Um, there was some confusion there in the amount of stalls and how that happened, but that gave Ryan Epson there. And now fast forward to 2022, 157 again has a little bit of controversy. And uh, the match was uh, kind of weird. So uh, for people that don't know, Caden Winters from RIT, pound pound number one throughout the year. He was the one seed. Looked great throughout the whole tournament, was most dominant in the NCAA coming into the tournament. And then another undefeated wrestler who we'll talk about more later too, and Nate Lackman from Brown College. Um, he came in as the three seed, knocks off David Hollingsworth, NWCA champ from last year, and uh and pitted it against each other uh in the finals. And um Winters wear the storm on the feet and got the match to their mat and uh, where he's great. Um, he went right out in the second period. Uh, so two minutes of riding time there. And then mm-hmm. and how many stalling points did he have, G? Did he get two or one? I think he, he got, got one. Stall- I think he only got one stalling point. Yeah, so I think it was one nothing with two minutes of riding time heading into the third. He takes top 
in the third period, riding again gets about another minute and a half of riding time. So he has close to four minutes of riding time, but is only winning two nothing. Uh, Blackman finally escapes, gets a takedown. Very weird exchange on the edge. You, you, you would think Winters with his experience would just get out of bounds there. And, um, yeah, takes takes an ill-advised sight, and uh, Lackman capitalizes. Great drag, go behind, gets a takedown. So after the escape and takedown for him, it's 3-2 on the scoreboard, but obviously uh, Winters has the riding time, make it 3-3. Now this, this is where it kind of gets a little bit uh, screwy. So after the restart, Winters has about – 12 or 11 seconds to get out on the restart. And if you're watching the match, he tries to get up. Uh, there was a, a locked hands call with about nine seconds left. Um, I, think, I think eight to be exact. Aunt. Yeah. All people have been saying eight. Yep. So, um, so locked hands call, obviously free move for winters wrestling continues. Time runs out. Um, originally RIT throws the brick because they didn't see the ref called locked hands. And obviously the refs give RIT the, the, the brick back because they got the call and it was locked hands, uh, no time on the clock. And with riding time, with the locked hands and riding time, Winters is your national champion at 157. Now, after RIT gets the brick back, then right on college, um, they obviously are like, well, we have this challenge. Might as well throw it. Uh, so they throw the challenge. And um, in that exchange, uh, you know, obviously they're looking at if there was locked hands or not. And um, it's a long review, long review. And uh, they end up they end up looking at it and they overturn the call. No locked hands. Okay. So now two things here. So what, they gave the kid reaction time with it? Like, what was their reasoning for that? Well, they didn't give a reason. The, the ref, the ref just came out and was like, "I think that's what they were looking for." Did you give the right on college kid enough reaction time? But the thing is, Winters never got to his feet. He was as he was standing up, Lackman locked his hands. And if you go back and watch it again on track uh, on NCA's website, you can actually see Lackman lock his hands because the camera is facing his back. Boy, and there's if people are on the Twitter Twitter app. There's a picture floating around. It's clasping clear as day. Yeah. Winters has a knee down. Locked hands are there. Now, obviously, there was some type of evidence. I don't know what um, that they had overturned. Now, the other thing, though, the other tricky situation in here is, too, if they overturn a call, there's supposed to be dead time. So since the call was reversed, it should have went back. Winters should have had another shot in regulation if – if I un understanding the rules correctly, if you overturn something, it doesn't just go right to the next position. It goes back. Since, since they originally called the class and it was overturned, it should have reset the clock to eight seconds with winters on bottom. Yes. Now, as we all know, that did not happen. Right. They they're, like, hey, they're like, guys, they're like, you know, pretty much let's go. Let's crap in overtime. They yep. just said the, the match is over and overtime. Then, you know, what happens, the rest is history. Blackman takes a good shot, good finish, and he's your national champ. So, so. crazy turn of events there. Obviously, great job by Lackman to, um, you know, find a way to get the job done. But you really feel for RT and Winters in that regard. Obviously, a fifth-year senior um, for, for RIT, pound for pound number one, and had a great year. So, 
Now we're bringing this story up because RIT is appealing, appealing the match. Um, there's a there's a very detailed article that just was that's been circulating, just released. Um, I know King's College coach Josh Rusa has posted that stuff out. Um, it's been circulating and uh, it's very detailed. Obviously, they talked to Winters. They talked to uh, the head coach from RIT, who is doing a, a fantastic job with them. Um, and uh, RIT, they finished in the top ten. They finished, I believe, seventh in the country. So uh, has to be one of their their highest finishes in a long time. Yeah. I think in 2019, they actually, when they had national finals too, they were close to the top 10 as well. They had also had three All-Americans. So big things coming from the Tigers. But back on, on track here. So the appeal is going through. Not sure what will happen here. Um, it's a very uh, tough situation. It's like, how can you – you can't go back in time. Blackman's on top of the podium. He wins the national title. Um, I think I know- that what they're arguing for is co-champs from my understanding. Right. And, and again, I, I just don't, I mean, there's, like it'll, no- it'll be very, it'll be very difficult to overturn this. It's just wrestling's a sport where you don't really see, you know, if people think back to the Yanni Zane situation, just a really different situation, really, you know, with USA wrestling lawyers involved, like, I don't know how much that's going to happen. Um, it's a very tricky situation. You, you know, you really feel for winters and the ROT program. Cause like you said, they're having, you know, really big things. You know, we talked about them a lot with their national duels performance. Um, you, you hate to see, you know, it was such a great year kind of end so sour for them. Um, but we wish them the best and hopefully we can learn from this. Everything you always learn, wrestling is a sport. You always try to learn and get better. So hopefully, you know, you know, the challenging system, which I always think needs improvement, improvement, um, just hopefully we learn from this and we don't see anything like this ever happen again. Yeah. And I think the moral of the story is, and if you watch division one national championships too, I think there has to be a really deep look into the review process. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. I, I D ones was even worse. Like, I don't know. It definitely wasn't the same thing. D ones. It was like NFL almost where they were calling up somewhere like to the challenge booth. To yeah, look they were, at it. They were like ch- calling up to a command center, but I I don't know if that's really the answer either. It's just slowed wow. everything else down and slowed, yeah. You're looking at the same video that the command center is looking at, but I think I think overall, I think that's really the moral of the story. You need we need to look at the review process. We need to clean it up. Um, there has to be a better answer. Um, and again, I think that's what RIT they they just want answers, they just want to know. They just want to know what happened, what they saw in the video that changed the call. Because at the end of the day, they called the clasping on the mat, so they needed they needed evidence. That's what I mean. I was I wasn't there. I was watching it at home, and it was super confusing what was going on because you didn't see them give the back brick back to RIT. You said they did. Um, Yes. So we didn't know that. It looked like. All right, it was just a huge botch job from from the moment, and you know you just hate to see it, especially the national finals. Yeah, and like I said, it's just very ironic that literally the last two NCAA championships, it was the one fifty seven division three final that had just weirdness around it. But that's neither here nor there. But we just wanted to bring that to light, 
And, uh, you know, obviously it's a big story, uh, circulating division three. So it's worth, worth noting. Um, and, uh, but like we said, let's, let's move forward now. Let's, uh, let's start talking some analytics about these NCAA, uh, 2022 national championships. And, uh, also, if you haven't looked at it already, D3, a lot of these numbers we're getting, you know, got to, got to give credit where credit's due. Andy Vogel, D3Wrestle.com, just pumping out numbers left and right. He does it every single year. I think he went really more in depth than he has in the past this year. Um, so, G, let's talk about those numbers a little bit. Where do you want to start? Uh, before we get to that, just uh, real quick, I just want to give a shout out to the Lachman brothers. Uh, great performance at the NCAA tor- uh, tournament. You know, obviously Lachman winning it and then. Uh, the other brother becoming Alvernia's first All-American. So pretty great stuff there. You know, congratulations to them. And they have a lot of eligibility left. So look for the both of them to be uh, on the on the podium a lot and making noise. So pretty great stuff there. Um, but I, I, first thing I want to do, I want to look at these, you know, unseated performances. We had 26 unseated All-Americans. And, you know, for D3, um, we always see a lot of unseated All-Americans, um, but, you know, there was a couple weights where there was, like, what were you we saying? We were talking about 49 had four, I think. 49, yeah. I 49, think had, 49 had five. Alex Barr of Wabash. Uh, I'm sorry, four. Alex Barr of Wabash, she took third. And then Ryan Fleck of Chicago took sixth. Kyle Merritt of Norwick took seventh. Michael Con- Con- Conklin took eighth from TC and J. And I think that was the most out of any weight. Yeah. 50% of the all Americans at 149 were unseated. And again, that 26 unseated, uh, not uncommon in division three, because you only see the top eight out of the top 18 wrestlers. We always know um, there's fireworks. So there's really no surprise here. There's always kids find themselves on the podium as, uh, you know, unseated. And uh, yeah, it's just pretty cool. I mean, and if you want to break that number down even more, you know, 26 All-Americans out of the 80 were unseated. So almost uh, one-third, 32.5% of the All-Americans were unseated. So just a pretty wild stat um, that happens every time in Division Three wrestling. But, and again, it comes back to, uh, you know, it's not like the Division One tournament where they seed all top the top 33 competitors. It's literally you seed the top eight and um, – the other 10 are drawn in and that's the thing too like all year that, that now the coaches poll has improved flow wrestling rankings what i do we ranked the 12 nwca was the 15 like there's guys you know or have been in the national rankings all year that are not going to be seated based on their regional performances based on the craziness of the regional uh tournament and how some guys that just have great tournaments for example milliken's 125 um had to go through a gauntlet at 125 i mean probably had a case to be potentially seated because he knocked off a bunch of ranked guys at the regional tournament, but Tommy Russell um, finds a way on the podium. He's another unseated guy, just a perfect example. So, um, but yeah, just a crazy, crazy stat. Yeah, it really is. Uh, and moving forward, what's unseated guy? I mean, there's a bunch of what's, what, what unseated guy caught your eye? Um, I mean, there was a lot. I mean, Obviously, I would say Barr from Wabash, who, you know, in my conversation with Coach Anderson, we talked about a lot. And, you know, he had some past credentials. He had a he was a qualifier in 2020 
and uh, took an early season loss and was kind of not in the national. Well, he was in the national rankings, I think, teetering from 10 to 12 all year. But, you know, he loses a pigtail and then scores huge, huge bonus points and, uh, you know, points for Wabash to get them in the back in the team race all the way back to take third. He pinned Rump from Wartburg in a head-to-head wow. matchup in the consolation. And Rump was pound for pound number two all year. And, you know, his only loss was to uh, Callender um you know from stevens early on in the year so for him to pin rump in the Kazi semis and just continue wabash's wave on day two and to take third yeah i mean that match was huge for team race i mean huge yeah really i mean you know obviously it didn't come out the way they wanted but i mean that's some big points that he secured bonus point wise took points away from warburg and yeah you know that's a good one as well um for me i would say uh ko's uh, Will Esmoil yeah. end up taking fourth. You know, I thought he had a really great tournament. You know, he beat uh, an undefeated wrestler in Reyes, um, and he he made it all the way to the semis. Uh, you know, just, you know, very solid tournament for him. Um, he really popped off the screen to me. He was one of, the, obviously, the bigger stories. It was in Iowa. You know, a lot of headlines that way. So, but, yeah, man, I mean, uh, for you guys, you know, I would definitely check out this – uh, the sheet of all Americans and just see how many unseated guys there were. It was uh, pretty awesome. And it just goes to show you who's going to show up and have a good weekend of competition, you know? Um, and uh, it's just great. That's why, you know, I love the D3 national tournament. It's so awesome. There's always so many upsets and it's such a roller coaster of a tournament and uh, really impressive showing from those unseated guys, you know, just goes to show you what coaches always say rankings don't mean much at the end of the year. You got to go out and perform. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, obviously we, uh, we had calendar in the, the bracket 149. So there was, I mean, even, even Fleck for, cause Fleck pinned bar in the pigtail and then he makes it all the way to the semifinals. So yeah, that bracket was, uh, 149 was wild. Um, there's no, there's no question about that, but yeah, SMY was great too. Obviously big co-contingent out there pushing behind him. He was fun to watch. And, uh, you know, he was uh behind he 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 was in Coe's lineup from 157 to 174 um this year. So find and then he finally finds his way into the lineup at uh at 65 and becomes an all-American. So only a sophomore. And we'll talk more about him too later on when we talk about uh you know rookie of the year kind of uh category for the end of the year award. So yeah. um um but now it's moving forward now overall. There's six regions in Division Three, and uh, D Three Wrestle also does an amazing job of breaking down the regional performances, uh, the amount of All Americans. They actually you actually broke out the team scores for each region. Um, so uh, I want obviously we're both in the Southeast region, so Southeast, great job way to represent this year. Um, usually. Uh, at the end of the year, after the NCAA results, you know, don't have a lot of All-Americans, don't really have the best showing. But this year, um, you know, I think we saw at the regional tournament how competitive our region is getting. And Yeah, show- very, com- very competitive region. You know, uh, just watching, you know, a lot of the day two wrestling, you know, I'm, I'm, I saw a lot of guys. I was like, I think they're going to do out, out good at nationals. And it just showed, um, you know, 16 All-Americans overall one finalist, one champ. So very, very impressive showing from the Southeast region. And to my knowledge, 
uh, you know, since the Super Regions happened with Southeast, I'm pretty sure this is their best showing ever. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. Um, obviously, coming in at number one with 18 All Americans uh, in the is the Lower Midwest, and obviously, uh, you know, a lot of great teams out there. They had a lot of champs uh, from the Lower Midwest. I mean, two from yeah, North 18 Central. All American, yeah, 18 All Americans, four finalists, three champs. Yeah, two from North Central and then one from Milliken. And then Warburg obviously had the one finalist at 141. Um, but obviously Warburg put seven onto the podium there too, you know. So um, uh, obviously they they really helped the lower Midwest numbers-wise. and uh, But it's just a very deep region. Very deep region. Predominantly the toughest region, I would say, out of the super regions. Yeah, uh, I mean, you had uh, – if you just look at the standings, you had Warburg at one. North Central at three, Coe College was at six, and I believe Milliken was also in the top ten. Uh, Loris was teetering around the top ten as well. Yeah. Um, so they had like four or five teams in that very, top, yeah. top ten. Very, yeah, very solid region. Then, you know, kind of rounding up the top. Top uh, top four, you had the upper, mis- upper Midwest, 15 All-Americans, two finalists, two champs, and then the Central Regional uh 14 all americans this is this is actually pretty good by far the most finalists they had nine finalists and three champs at that region very impressive and most of them were ball and wallace and wabash i think half of the finalists were them you know right three for wabash two for ball and wallace and then one one from all that yeah very impressive showing from that region so um you know obviously a very cool document highlights everything uh, it's kind of cool to see where everything's at and uh, move forward from there. So, um, you know, uh, like I said, like the numbers speak for themselves. And I just feel like, you know, I think moving forward, we got to find a way to get more qualifiers and, you know, different, a different system in place. But this is where we're at right now. And, you know, really good showings from these regions. Yeah, for sure. And uh, it's always a discussion after every uh, NCAA championship. So we'll see where the offseason takes us and where this conversation continues to go. I know we have, uh, you know, some NCAA championship committee uh, members who are, are eager to kind of switch some stuff up and, uh, you know, take in all proposals. So uh, we'll see what happens. Um, but now as we kind of uh, get towards the back half of the show now, just going through um, – We'll talk about uh, some, just some uh, award categories that we saw from the NCAA championships. Um, and uh, obviously, when we post this episode, you guys can, you know, hit us up on Twitter for matches. I mean, there's a ton of matches and everything like that. But the first one we want to go to um, is uh, is match of the tournament. And uh, there was a lot of good ones for sure. Um, and uh I might be a little bit biased here, but I was in the corner for it, and I know it was uh, it was a barn burner, and it was a fun one. This is the 141 national semifinal, number five seed from Stevens, Kyle Slendorn, uh, taking on number one Jordan James. The final score ended up being nine eight, nine eight score. Mount Union wrestler Jordan James wins on riding time, but this match had it all, and uh, it was a good one. Yeah, that was uh, definitely, you know, a really fun match to watch, you know, just going back and forth. There was a lot of stall calls, you know, um, a lot of drama late, 
Um, and, uh, you know, kind of reading the article about Jordan James, how he, you know, suffered, you know, a broken hand, dislocated thumb, just overcoming adversity. Um, really impressive stuff, you know, just uh, a great match from start to finish. Um, I would have to agree with you for match of the tournament there. You know, I, I also thought uh, uh, Braswell versus Champagne was a really um, entertaining quarterfinals match. Uh, the last exchange was pretty crazy. I think they went up, uh, up top and Champagne hipped over. Um, that was another exciting match. But, yeah, man, that was a really great match to watch for sure. Yeah, I guess you could also go Braswell-Kiner. That was also a great one, too, in the Conci semis. Uh, Braswell finally waiting to get the job done in Sun Victory and flipping the result from last year at NWCAs. Um, so two exciting ones there. I mean, yeah, I mean, but in the Slendorn James match, you had 17 points combined. And even in Slendorn's Conci semi match against McAuliffe, that was another that was another crazy one. Brandon Woody versus McAuliffe. McAuliffe was putting up a lot of points. He was fun to watch. Yeah, um, but I think I think uh, you know I'll see what a national title berth on the line, and these guys and you know sometimes those are boring matches you know take that right. match and stuff like that. But these guys were letting it fly, and uh, yeah, it was just it was just, it, ha- it had it all. It was just a great match, and uh, Jordan James really showed um, you know some mental fortitude and find that you know getting it through and getting to the finals and also becoming a two time national champion. So. Definitely. Um, and then, you know, kind of moving forward here, um, you know, we, we kind of kind of break down the categories and that we'll kind of run it through, but we have an MOW, uh, most improved, most entertaining, best finals performance. And then we kind of get into, you know, rookie of the year, breakout team of the year. So um, I would say, you know, moving forward, most entertaining, um, <laughs> Just off the top of my head, you know, you have uh, Caleb Reeves of Co. I mean, I'm pretty sure all his wins were by pin at the tournament, if I'm not mistaken. I have to go back and check. But he's always uh, he's always entertaining to watch. He likes to throw, you know, a very good heavyweight. Um, I believe – was he a senior this year? No, I think he's – I think he's got one more year of uh... – Yeah, so he'll, he'll, I mean, he'll be in the national uh, – title contention then obviously you have Bert you know just really good on top you know high high flying uh, always putting the uh points on the board and then uh Hatch of Wabash I mean a lot of his matches if you watch he was losing <laughs> he was losing and then he gets pins it's kind of crazy uh I, I believe when he pinned the Coast Guard kid he was down 10-4 I don't know if you got to catch that match and it was a wild um, one Rogers was going to work yeah yeah was... rogers was putting it on him yeah. and you know hatch is he always is in it he's very explosive he's a pinner and got the fall so very exciting and then i know you you had some guys you want to hit on as well yeah i mean obviously king from all of that uh i mean he he pinned for using the quarterfinals and in uh you know amazing cradle uh finish there but um you know looking at this group i'd say the top two gotta be bird or reeves and uh you know, I'm, I, I give the, I mean, I give the, the nod to Reeves. I mean, heavyweight at the end of the day can be a pretty, uh, can be a pretty boring heavyweight. And it's not boring when this guy's on the mat. I mean, he's throwing people, he's pinning people. Uh, Caleb Reeves gets my vote for uh, most entertaining. He was, and he was fun to watch. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. I, yeah. He got my vote too. I, I you know, I mean, all these guys are very entertaining, very talented wrestlers. Obviously we didn't mention, mention, uh, uh, your boy Brett Counter either, but pretty much all of his wins this year were by bonus point. Besides the finals, right? 
Uh, yeah, Brett uh, only had five decisions on the year, but he had 24 wins by bonus. Um, so he, yeah. he him and, and uh, Brett was tied, I think, with Beecham for fourth and the most dominant. And then it was uh, Burt. It went Burt, Winners. Winners was tied with somebody, and then Brett and Beecham were right there. So, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, and Mike Ross, too. Mike Ross is definitely another one you could put in this conversation when his tilts and the amount of taxi. I mean, he yeah, I mean, that's how he got to the national finals. You know, he got a takedown and turn on um, Mulder and just kind of, you know, got it do- done this- that way. And I think that's why, you know, um, Beecham was uh, eventually was able to beat him because he had uh, Ross had two chances on top of Beecham and he couldn't get to his turn. I think that was really the difference in the match. So yeah, uh, but definitely, definitely always fun to watch, you know, um, very good on top, get your, get your wrist wash out. So um, next category I want to hit on is most improved. Um, if you want to dive into that. Yeah, no, this is a fun category and you love to see it. Um, you know, division three guys, obviously you're not getting paid athletic scholarship, uh, you know, to be there and to, for, for guys to show so much progression, uh, especially with all the uncertainty with the pandemic and COVID who, uh, you know, last year had their NCAA championships canceled. Um, this was a fun category and there was a lot of people that shined here, but, uh, we'll start, um, we'll start with, uh, and basically this, this category, we based off of how they finished in 2020. Um, so we'll start with, uh, you know, actually one of my wrestlers, he went, uh, he did not place at the regional tournament at 174 in 2020. Um, he wasn't really a true 74. He just couldn't crack the lineup at 57 and 65. So he bumped up to 74, but he went DMP at the Southeast regionals in, in uh, Stefan major. And uh, he came into the NCAA tournament unseated. Um, but he really uh, turned the corner this year. He was the regional champ uh, in the Southeast and, uh, you know, found himself on the podium with a seventh place finish as a sophomore eligibility wise. Um, so I think Se- Stefan's a good one to start with here as uh, most improved. Um, so kudos to him there to get in, getting it done and get on the podium and, uh, you know, excited to see him to continue to grow and what he's going to do in his last few years of eligibility. Um, and then, uh, but I think the top two in this list have to be two guys that were in the national finals. We'll start with Wabash, Jack Helt, who also was the elite, uh, elite 89 winner, um, uh, for best, uh, GPA, highest GPA in the field. But, uh, you know, kind of came on the scene was ranked pretty high all year. Um, but you know, in 2020, he was seventh at 197 at Central Regional. You know, not really close to uh, making it to nationals. Wabash didn't really have a season, though they did not have a season last year because of COVID. But this kid found a way to get better, and uh, you know, came in as a two seed and uh, finished as a national runner-up this year. So, um, and maybe maybe the biggest 197 pounder, him or the Coast Guard kid, might be the two big. And they wrestled each other in the semis. Yeah, a lot That's of uh, a lot of wingspan and uh, all over the place there. But um, so yeah, Jack Helt from Wabash. But obviously, we talked about him earlier. Number one, most improved has to be has to be national champ Nate Lackman from Rhode Island College, and what a job he did. He was uh, he was close to making it out um, in 2020, but at 141, he was a 141 pounder back wow. in 2020. And he took fifth in the region in the Northeast. Um, and, uh, you know, he put his uh, 
he just kept he got bigger obviously grew into 57 um had a great year from start to finish believe he finished like 34 or 35 and 0 on the year and uh national champ takes out the pound for pound number one at 157 so uh nate lackman in my mind has to be most improved in division three yeah he got my vote too and you know it's just uh kind of kind of crazy when you think about it. he's a 41 and uh you know it's a lot of hard work of you know it's not easy gaining weight the right way and he did everything right um trained hard and you know just got it done you know i don't want to take anything away from the kid either you know i know we talked about the 57 final but he went out there and he got the job done you know he just he's just wrestling to the whistle like he doesn't know what's going on like he's just doing his best so just so everyone knows like it was an amazing achievement and uh was this the first Rhode Island champ in a while? Yeah, you know? it's been a little bit. Uh, Mike Benora was a national champ. I want to say back in 2008 or 2009. Um, I, me- I remember when we had Jeff Riccio on the show, we ta- we touched base on that, and Riccio was uh, teammates with Benora. Okay. Um, but that was the last champ around college. And, That's uh, very cool. So, yeah, it's been a, it's been a little bit. Um, you know, but, you know, yeah, kudos uh, to him. And then, uh, yeah, like you said earlier, major shout out to Jack Helt, not just being really improved on the map, but off the mat, achieving that award. Uh, it's not easy being a student athlete and, um, you know, really impressive award to win there. So kudos to all those guys. And, you know, they'll be back. I think all of them have eligibility left. So, yeah, um, they'll look to keep, you know, perfecting their craft and keep working and, uh, besides Latin because he just won it, but Helton and Steph will be back to hunt for a national title. Um, kind of moving forward before we get into the MOW, uh, best finals performance, we have Bert and Schinhoster of Wisconsin uh, Whitewater, who uh, had an amazing performance in the semis as well. Just he, you know, he was a kid that definitely could have got MOW. And then Bert, you know, a really in my opinion, I thought it was going to be a highlighted match. Bert just put it on Hatch. Uh, he just was putting it on him on top. You know, very impressive and uh, really, really awesome. I th- did he get the tech or was this major? No, Bert got the major. I would say, I mean, honestly, the way these guys wrestled out, but in the final, if we're going best finals performance, I, I mean, I would say that these guys are co-champs here because Bert put it on on Hatch, who we also talked about earlier, veteran and entertaining, obviously a uh, multiple time All-American and Burt um, just controlled that entire match. But Schinhoster, he was the five seed. He had to avenge his only loss in the year in the semifinals. And he did it in dominating fashion. He kind of dominated throughout the whole weekend. And then in the finals, he wrestled Coast Guard Detwar, who, who was just bonus pointing everybody this year and just doing his thing. He's been a, a force since he's been at Coast Guard. And, uh, you know, I mean, he, he had no answers for Shin Hoster. I mean, Shin, Shin Hoster just dominated from start to finish. So those two just outstanding uh, NCAA tournaments and obviously uh, NCAA perform- finals performances by both of them. Yeah, I'm definitely going to give these guys co-champs because I thought both of them had amazing uh, performances. Um, like you said, just really, really impressive stuff. It's not easy wrestling on the big stage and to see how they wrestled and put the points up on the board, you know, definitely awesome stuff there. And then kind of moving forward with MOW, you know, you have Bert, obviously Shane Hoster, like we just talked about, Brett Callender, Jordan James, all of them had amazing gears and uh, amazing tournaments. Um, you know, for me, my vote's definitely still with Bert. I just think 
he just had an amazing uh, year and performance in the finals against a very uh, quality opponent, but you can't go wrong with any of them. I mean, Jordan James is a two-time champ. Brett bonused pretty much everyone all year. And like you said, Shin Hoster avenged his only loss and put the points on the board. So you really could pick any of these guys to be MLW, but uh, that's where I would – that's where my head's with it. Yeah, I think the NCAA got it right. I mean, if you're the most dominant throughout the year – and you cap your season off with a bonus points in the finals, it's got to be Bert. I mean, yeah. um, obviously I love Brett and, uh, you know, he had a great season and uh, very, very worthy, but to score bonus points in the national finals and to, to score bonus the entire tournament, you know, obviously Brett would have been more in consideration if he would have found bonus points against Ball and Wallace because he bonused everybody at the national championships as well. But, right, right. Um, you know, but Patrell wrestled a great match against us, but, uh, you know, and Brett got the job done, but, um, yeah, it's gotta be Bert, you know, and, uh, again, great career, um, you know, close to 150 wins in college. I mean, just his numbers are unbelievable, but you can talk about all these national champs. I mean, their, their careers, their credentials are outstanding. Yeah. Um, and then that kind of wraps up, stuff from the, the national tournament kind of more end of the year stuff uh, we have rookie of the year um and we did make sophomores eligible because of the covid year last year um you know a lot of good candidates here we have uh michael petrella matt lackman uh will s moyle but kind of a kid we really haven't talked about that much that has my vote is a true freshman out of Ohio northern jacob reed he took third at 141 and almost had 50 wins this year, you said, Ant, as a freshman? True yeah, fresh? as a true freshman. So I feel like true rookie of the year. I mean, he has to get now. Obviously, Petrella out of this group had the uh, highest finish. but um, And he's a, he's a really fun story, too, Petrella. You know, he was 2-1 and one last year during the COVID year. Uh, didn't know if he was going to be a starter or not because they had a tough uh, customer in Tanner McHugh. And I remember at Ithaca – they wrestled a crazy match that went to tiebreaker two um, and patrol won. So like, wasn't even sure if he was going to be the starter, but um, dude just kept winning and McHugh eventually dropped down to 41. Um, but yeah, Petrella just obviously amazing, amazing run. Technically freshman eligibility. You got three more years of eligibility and yes. uh, national run up. But if we're talking true rookies of the year, First year in a college room has to be Jacob Reed. I mean, third in the country and, uh, you know, lost to Jordan James by a point in the quarterfinals and, uh, you know, found his way to a third place match and obviously uh, beat a tough out in Kyle Slendor from Stevens um, in a 4-1 win. So uh, Ohio Northern Polar Bears, they got a good one there. And, uh, you know, they, you know, quietly had a really, really good year. Uh, I feel like they're doing – uh, a good job. Also, when we were uh, competing at Waynesburg, they, they were, um, you know, the coach now, uh, uh, one of the head assistants, Kyle Kuwait, was obviously winning national titles. I believe he had another national champ at 65 as well. But um, they're doing good things in the OAC and the Central Regional. They have some tough guys. Yeah, Beecher, you know, been very consistent with that group. You know, they always have some national qualifiers, always have some tough guys, uh, compete very well in the OAC. You know, that conference is very good um, between Ball and Wallace, John Caro, uh, Northern, Heidelberg, um, you know, just a lot of tough teams. So, they, you know, they're doing a good job there. And, um, 
but those other guys. And then wasn't there an interesting fact about Petrella and his dad was the last national champ before Decatur or something? Uh, yes, I think that's true. I think he was a multiple-time All-American at Bowling Wallace. He played football and wrestled. Hall of, Hall of Fame inductee at Bowling Wallace. And uh, I believe he was the last national champ before Decatur. Um, so, yeah, pretty crazy stat there. Pretty crazy. Yeah, that was like 33 years ago, I think I was reading. So, cool stuff there. And, you know, all these guys – got bright futures uh in, in in the sport so um congratulations on great years and you know continued success and then uh this was kind of cool you, you know your breakout team of the year um we kind of put three down um uh if you want to dive into that yeah for sure uh yeah as we kind of wrap up the show here just shout out to some programs some programs that had their first all americans in program history averett roanoke uh, Castleton, who actually is on this list right now, um, Southern Virginia, and um, who am I missing? G, who's who's uh, is that all the teams, or is there one other team? Yeah, you have Castleton, Alvernia, and Wisconsin. You play. No, no, I'm talking about the first time All Americans, Roanoke College, Roanoke College, Roanoke, yes, Roanoke. Uh, who honestly could be on, I mean, first year competing, they have All American too, but. Um, so obviously they're doing good things. Not surprised there. Coach Yetzer built up Ferrum and now he's trying to do the same thing at Roanoke down the road, but for breakout team of the year, we had three. Um, and, uh, we'll start from the Southeast Alvernia, uh, obviously only like third year competing for them. They have an all American. They took second, in the Southeast region with 10, I repeat 10 regional place winners. Um, and, took- and I, I believe everyone's back. Uh, yeah, I believe that's right. Um, they took third in the MAC, uh, in the MAC championships, and uh, just doing great things. Coach Belanca doing great things out there. Had a great dual record. Um, they, uh, yeah, just an amazing, amazing season overall. Um, and uh, they're going to continue to get better. I mean, they're recruiting hotbed. Um, and uh, yeah, their final dual record of the year this year was sixteen and four. So just outstanding work outstanding end to the season and uh looking forward to uh watching them to continue to pr- uh, improve now for the next team we go to the northeast region castleton university based in vermont um they had uh, also a great season um they had their first all-american in school history in james rodriguez um he finally uh figures out the test in uh, hayden brown he beats him in the blood round um Castleton at 15 and two on the year, 15 and two on the year, dual meet wise, great showings and a bunch of really tough tournaments. Um, they end up taking six in the, in the NCAA Northeast regional. Um, I believe they were third in the new uh, duels, uh, but yeah, just overall great year. Do you know and, what they finished nationally? Mm, I mean, they only had one all American. He took eight. So I'm not, I'm probably not that high. I would imagine. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. But, and then the last team on this list, uh, Wisconsin Eclair, um, coach Fader and company, uh, you know, their time was coming and they push five guys through the national tournament. Uh, Chase Smith ends up taking third at 165. Um, amazing showing in the upper Midwest. And, uh, you know, coach Fader obviously received coach of the year awards, honors um and uh it was only a matter of time 
You know, he did great things at Whitewater. You knew, you knew the time was coming for him to do great things at Eclair and the results were coming and, uh, you know, they had a great season. Um, I know they had a little COVID bump in the middle of the year. So I think their, uh, their record isn't reflected as well as these other two teams we just talked about. Um, I'm not sure exactly what they finished dual meet wise. Who's that? Wisconsin, Claire? Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, and then uh, just going off Castle, then you're right, Ant. They finished 41st because the one All-American, but still eighth, so it's not many points there. Right, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, Claire finished – I'm trying to see here. I mean, they were top 20 in the dual meet ranking to finish off the year. Um, I want to say they were like 12 and eight or 12 and nine on the year. Or something like on their most, re- I have it here. They had seven wins and one, two, three, four, four dual meet losses. So only seven and four dual meet wise. Oh, really? So a, lot, a lot more tournaments for them. Yeah. Um, but they had a big win over, over you guys. And then they wrestled all through really tough loss, uh, 18, 15, and then, you know, had a tough showing at Nashville. A lot of guys out with COVID and injury. Um, they got a big win over uh, Wisconsin Whitewater, which is the first time they beat them in a very long time. So, uh, big things happening, Claire. You know, they had some tough freshmen as well. So, keep your keep, keep your eyes out on them. The WEAC was a fun conference to follow a year. A lot of tough teams. And Fader, like you said, Fader, wherever he goes, wherever he touches, you feel like it, t- it you know, turns into gold. He's just – you know, one of those kind of guys is an amazing man, amazing coach and doing really big things out there. So, yeah. So um, these, these programs, uh, they ain't sneaking up on anyone anymore. Uh, big things coming from them in the future. <clears throat> Looking forward to competing against these guys uh, next season. And um, to kind of touch on it too, I think it's worth mentioning um, North central coast guard. Um, they also had great seasons. I mean, I wouldn't. I I didn't want to put them in this category because they kind of had breakouts last year during the yeah. I mean, during the COVID start, season, right? You could start to kind of see them trending that way. That like they're here to stay, kind of deal. But it's worth mentioning. I mean, North Central. I mean, they took that's their first team trophy, their first team champ. So, I guess on paper, NCA wise, it was breakout, but not really surprise. Wasn't a surprise. Yeah, I guess kind of more just like a breakthrough at NCAAs, really. You know, they were always kind of there and had a lot of qualifiers. Just didn't really break through yet. And they find, you know, you could kind of see trending that way after the NWCA performance and then their NCAA tournament this year. And then they bring home a team trophy. So, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah, and then, obviously, and then obviously Coast Guard knocking off Johnson and Wales. I mean, they split this year, but they beat them earlier in the season. So they went one and one. They took second in, in the Wingle duels, but then – they ended Johnson Wales uh, Northeast regional title run um, with a very fun team race out there. So uh, yes. yeah, the, the bears of coast guard uh, find a way to get you on spar life uh, making big improvements. And again, they're bringing in better guys every single year. So coach Brandlin and coach Foley uh, doing big things. So um, again, fun episode to, uh, to discuss uh, fun episode to highlight all the big names, uh, all the names with so much success this year. And uh you know, looking forward to again to some more interviews, uh, interviews lined up and uh, continue to rock out these uh, these episodes.